When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Buckets and Tea NBA show. I'm your host, Catherine Niker. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode. Today, joining me, our Raptors HQ friend, editor-in-chief, it's Chelsea Late. How you doing? Good. I mean, still trying to wake up from the game yesterday, like being out late, but good. <laughs> where did Kyle Lowry take you? Like, where? what happened? What was the post-game party like? Oh, right? Oh, man. Um, I did see him. I was, like, walking into the media room, and him and Kia Nurse were having a chat, and I had to, like, pass them. And Kia obviously is very nice and, you know, said hey. And then he looked at me and was like, hey, it's so nice to see you. And I was like, okay, hi. <laughs> um, so <laughs> were you um, even back there during his run? During his run, no, 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 you didn't have a media pass during his run. No, yeah, no. So, so he doesn't like, actually know you. No, yeah, I was like, and then I was, <laughs> and like I was like, he said this to me, and like he doesn't know me, so it's just like a funny anecdote now. And they're like, no, there's like a good chance he reads, like he's read your stuff, because like apparently, oh. he, like, reads things. Like apparently, he watches every Raptors game and like reads things. So oh, that's like, incredible. There's like a good chance he's seen you on like a podcast or he's like, so, like he, there's a good chance he actually said good to see you because he knows who you are. And I was like, that's wild. That is wild. Yeah. So who knows if Kyle Lowry, if you're watching this, good to see you. It, it always, uh, yeah. If you, Kyle, if you're watching this, <laughs> hello. Uh, <laughs> the audience, you never do that. <laughs> I have tiny championship art on my wall next go. to uh, poetic justice art and Vince Carter. So there you go. Uh, Kyle, you're in good company. Um, that's so funny. Uh, that's so wild. I mean, one thing that really uh, I find particularly funny is that every time he comes back to Toronto now, all the media are like, so you're you're still gonna retire a raptor? Like he gets this question every time, and every time he's like, Yes, I will sign a one day or a 10 day to retire as a raptor. Like he yeah. just keeps repeating himself, and it's just so funny to me that he keeps like, We're like, Are you sure? Are you sure? No, but he's like he was so excited to be there last night. Like he was jazzed. And I mean, that's his personality. He just has a very bubbly personality, but like he was like talking to people like he he took time to like talk like i was watching him talk to people and i was like damn like is he and he they announced his name and he was like so excited and like you know i was like damn like this guy just really loves this city which is like cool mm -hmm. um chelsea before we keep going i have a feeling that i might be echoing no nope. through your no because no, i'm hearing an echo oh i don't hear anything Okay, we'll just keep going then. I hear an echo. If you want me to change something, I can change something. No. <laughs> I'll just ask Daniel to edit that part out. Um, okay, cool. Uh, yeah, love Kyle. It's so funny that he keeps getting asked that. But also, like, it's going to be a sad day when that happens, you know? Like, when he retires and he comes back, I feel like, it's going to be emotional. We're going to have, you know, obviously yet another tribute video and yeah. stuff like that. But it, it is very nice. I mean, I really think he is trying to secure that statue. I'm not going to lie. Oh, yeah. And honestly, it'll be sad, but also it'll be like really fun, I think, like just celebrating him. I'm sure they'll make it like a whole like week kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I'm sure they'll, there'll be so many events surrounding it as well. And I feel like it'll be like fun just to be at. So 
it'll be emotional, but like also very like fun to celebrate. Such well, it'll be thing. nice if too, like if some of the other like championship uh, teammates came out for that, like if Sergi yeah. Baca came out or Gasol, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that would be cool just to like have a little baby reunion, you yeah. know? Oh, I'm sure they would. That would be fun. Yeah. Um, okay. I wasn't going to get into the statue talk, but I have, I have opinions. Okay. First of all, if we have a Kyle, if we have a Kyle statue, is he taking a charge? Ooh, that's hard. Cause usually they do like the layup kind of vibe. Yeah. But that's um, not known for that. He doesn't have like a signature pose. Yeah. Except take it. I feel like they should take a picture of when he took a charge in the all-star game. Yeah. And that is the, the statue yeah yeah like that because that's his most famous charge yeah which i talk i feel like i've talked about that like seven times in the past two weeks because i was on a, i was on freddie's podcast where i had to bring it up so <laughs> <laughs> yeah leave it to freddie and i to to be the ones to do that yeah athlete wise like my legit answer is the toronto blue jays joe carter actually deserves a statue because he's a two-time champion. He had that epic grand slam. He has the famous celebration with his arms out. Like, yeah. I don't know. To me, it's like, how does Joe Carter not have a statue? I'm not even a baseball fan. Maybe Toronto's statue budget is just like not. <laughs> yeah, we only had enough for Ted Rogers. Um, <laughs> all right, let's get into some NBA talk here. Um, the IST is underway. Um, we're recording this on Thursday uh, during the day, so the semifinals will happen by the time this is out on Friday. Feel free to delight and laugh at our wrongful predictions. <laughs> Sometimes it's just how the timing works out, but we have a very exciting uh, tournament so far, I feel. You know, like I was really enjoying these games. I was really hoping that the Sacramento kings would come out on top because i really wanted our kings pacers finale uh but nonetheless uh they lose to the pelicans uh they're gonna go up against the lakers and then we also have the pacers against the bucks how do you think this is gonna shake out and who do you think we're gonna see uh facing off on saturday night i honestly think it's like a testament to the success of the tournament that there's a few there's like a little bit of like a standings parody when it comes to these final four like you have the bucks who are championship contenders you have the pacers who are a really exciting like young team that have been you know kind of building over the past couple of years you have the lakers who are just kind of like a standard tv presence you always want the lakers if you're like you know national television um and then you have the pelicans who like have struggled and everybody just kind of wants to succeed because you know zion and all that kind of stuff so i think it's like a good group before i think it's good television i think that it's shaken out in a way that like people are talking about it and people and i don't i think it would have been boring if it was just like the top four teams in the nba like i think it's fun that it's these like four teams who are very different and will give us a good show and i mean i would love to see the pacers make it i think like when i saw that game that they played against the raptors i was like so pleasantly surprised with how exciting they were to watch and how fun it was and um, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna throw out the conspiracy that it's rigged or anything, but I think the Lakers have a pretty good chance of, um, uh, okay. It. But that, that timeout call was pretty brutal. Like I yeah. was watching that game live and I was like, what is this? And I'm not even like a Phoenix Suns like fan. And I was like, this is just flat out wrong. Like yeah. if I, if I were Frank Vogel, I would have gotten myself tossed out of the game Yeah. at that point. Like that is like so egregious. And then I think like the, the NBA refs like released this statement being like Austin Reeves had the ball between his hand and his calf, which is technically possession and like blah, blah, blah. I'm like, this man had no control of the ball, like none. You know, it's bad when they have to release a statement like, come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then just trying to justify it. I think that makes it worse, you know, because I, I just feel like, yeah, there are a couple weeks ago I was going on and on about players versus refs and how I feel like tension is kind of high right now. But yeah, I, I just man, that was really, really bad. Really yeah. bad. Uh, definitely felt rigged, but also like Aside, you know, okay, here's my, here's my, here's my hot little take. Mm -hmm. 
a lot of people after that game were like, you know, if you're the Phoenix Suns, you don't want to leave a game up to the refs. You don't want to get it down to the wire like that. They had a bunch of turnovers that game and blah, blah, blah. It wasn't exactly their best game. Mm -hmm. Fair. However, you can have one of the best games of your life and still be in a close game. Yeah, it's true. You know what I mean? Like the NBA is competitive. Yeah. So this whole idea of like, oh, you don't want to leave the game up to the refs and blah, blah, blah. It's like you can do everything right and the game could still come down to a last call. Yeah. So I, I just don't buy into that philosophy at all. Um. Anyway, that's my hot take. I just haven't yeah. heard anyone say that. Yeah. No, that's valid. It's like there's certain things like, yeah, like you could make more free throws and you can do this, you can do that. But when you have two really, really good teams with the like level of stardom that is between Phoenix and the Lakers, like it's no surprise that it comes down to the wire. Cause yeah, no one's surprised that that's a close game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not saying like, oh, this team shouldn't have done that. It's like, no, like you're playing so well that you're keeping up with LeBron James, even like what, 37 year old LeBron James. So, you know, it's like, He's going to be 38 like any day now. Oh, no, isn't he going to be 39? I think he's 37 now. I don't no, know. We're going to Google this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's wild. I like, I think it's. Oh, cool. he's 38 and he's going to be oh, 39 on December yeah. 30th. Get it, LeBron. Which I think is cool. Like, I think it's cool that players are playing late. <sighs> like Sue Bird played till 40, like 41. Diana yeah. Cross is like refusing to hang it up. Like, I love it. I'm like. I think it's sick. <laughs> I do too. I love it. And it also just makes me feel better about myself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and I feel like tech, people are like, oh, you got to hang it up, whatever your body, this, your body, that. But like the, I the, this stack is thrown around a lot, but LeBron spends like a million dollars every year on his body, like keeping his body right. Like technology is so nuts now that like mm -hmm, if you mm -hmm. wanted to be like 56 and playing in the NBA, like I'm sure we could get you like a robotic knee and you could go off like. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like, you know, even somebody like Vince Carter, mm -hmm. who played until I want to say 40. I think it was like 41. Yeah, I think he was 41. Yeah. And he was like, you know, at that stage of his career, very much a role player. Mm -hmm. And uh, but also, you know, a great presence still had more mm -hmm. minutes than uh, Udonis Aslam. Right. In his final year. And I think a lot of players that are kind of like in the middle are looking at that being like, hey, like, I can keep collecting checks. Yeah. If I maintain my health and blah, blah, blah. So yeah. I feel like, you know, the narrative on all of this has really shifted. But yeah. I think with LeBron, you know, just bringing it back to the to the IST. I, at this point in his career, he is trying to have his name in the record books as many times as possible in as many ways as possible. He just needs his name etched in there in every which way possible. Like, it's not just about the IST. It's about the IST MVP, if there is one. Yeah, or like, is, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like he need, he needs it. And I feel yeah. like he he wants it. And, and, and I think that's kind of funny that yeah. at, at his stage in his career, you think he would care less and like the younger players would care more about this, but he cares just as much, if not even more. I mean, yeah, we love like a career driven King, like, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm career driven. I know a lot of people career driven, you yeah. know, why yeah. should that go away? Just cause you know, you're 39 almost, uh, yeah. and, you know, on a team that is uh, probably not going to go very far, but whatever. It's like chill. It's cool. <laughs> yeah. He has to be like, at least I got this. Yeah, he has to be like, oh, and you know that if the Lakers win the first in-season tournament, that they're going to take that narrative and run for it for the rest of their lives? Yeah. Like, if LeBron James wins the first in-season tournament, it's going to be, like, all the news. It's going to be all the whatever. They don't get a banner, do they? I have no problem. If it's LeBron, <laughs> they can't. Adam Silver's going to give LeBron what he wants, they man. They like, get a banner. Oh, it'll be, like, God. a little one, just, like, a little mini banner. Um, or like when they finally build the LeBron statue, yeah. Will it say like IST in season two? Yeah, just at the um, bottom. It'll take his little Tiffany, his little Tiffany uh, trophy, and go put it. With <laughs> yeah. 
Um, um, so you're predicting that the Lakers are going to go all the way in this thing. I like, again, I don't want to be that person that's like, everything's rigged. But honestly, I feel like it's in the league's best interest for a team like the Lakers to win. Like, it's like, at the end of the day, what is this in-season tournament about? Money, viewership, hype. The rich get richer. The rich get richer. And like, if LeBron adds something else to his thing, it's good for the league. It's like, as much as sometimes, like, I'm in that group, like, sometimes it's annoying that, like, the narrative is always about LeBron James. But, like, it's good for their business. I don't know. Like, I hate being that person that, like, it's a business. But, like, at the end of the day, it is. He's good. He loves a performance. He loves a moment. I think there's a lot of other people on that team that also love a moment. And at the end of the day, it's going to be good for the brand if that happens. And honestly, I think based on the teams that are still in it, maybe if it was the Bucks and the Lakers, maybe I would take the Bucks. Um, but also, maybe I wouldn't. Who knows? <laughs> I think, like, you know, no, again, we don't think the NBA is rigged. And if it is, like, you should really hire me as a writer. I'd be really good at it. Right. But- <laughs> I I feel like, you know, this is an opportunity for the NBA to showcase its younger talent, right? Yeah. For for the casuals to learn who's next. Mm-hmm. Right? So I I think like there is a world where like if it's the Pelicans and the Pacers, mm-hmm. which I don't necessarily think it would be, although I think that would be very fun. Yeah. You know, that that's such a great way to be like, "Hey casual NBA fans, here's who's on the come up. Here's yeah. who's next. Here's who's going to be like you know, potentially like the future, like big deals of this, mm-hmm. of this league. Yeah. Um, I feel that way more about Indiana than the Pelicans for obvious reasons, but yeah. it's still cool that the Pelicans even made it this far. I don't think anybody predicted that, but yeah. I mean, if I'm a betting person, I think it's going to be Lakers and Bucks and yeah. then whew. it's hard in that situation. Yeah, it's hard. There's part of me that that yeah. logically wants to pick the Bucks, and then there's a part of me yeah. that logically thinks like LeBron is just gonna go off. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, you know, and it would be. Don't get me wrong. I would love if it was the Pacers and the Lakers. Like that's good TV. That's like Tyrese Halliburton, like young up and comer against LeBron James. Like boom, boom, boom. Like oh, that's good TV. Um, but. Yeah, it's definitely like it, it's hard for me to think of a scenario in which the Lakers don't like go off on like a 50 point LeBron James performance, which they play on NBA TV every day for the next like 17 weeks. Like, mm. you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so that's my take on it. But yeah, um, either way, I think we have an exciting like couple nights coming up and uh you know, obviously the, the tournament has been a success, you know, mm-hmm. basketball courts aside. Um, it kind of makes me wonder, like, is December and January going to be a bit more boring? Like, I know we'll have trade talk, but like, yeah. will the games be as exciting? Uh, it's always this is like a rough time in NBA season, December, especially because you're starting to get, ugh, I can't even speak. You're starting to get into that like slag of um, like the grind i don't want to mm. that's like personally like that. i think the the ist should take place a little later yeah like like january yes yeah. I, th- I think so because when the season first starts you're just like okay basketball's back yeah and that can last you like at least a month mm-hmm. anyway that's january's just rough yeah and especially i think like the raptors always go on like a big road trip in january mm-hmm. um that's usually how the schedule ends up working out and I feel like it would like not that I want to center everything around the Raptors, but like I don't know. I feel like <laughs> January is a rough time for everyone. Like it's it's like bleh side for us anyway. Um, and it would be like exciting to have that like excitement instead of it gets. I'm not someone who like likes trade talk very much, so I get very like annoyed with all of it in January. I'm like, this sucks. So it'd be fun to have something like fun to like root for. So yeah, I agree. I, agree. I think like the trade talk, it just drags on. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. It just drags on. So yeah. then it's like you're talking about like the same like five players with different scenarios for mm-hmm. like six weeks. You're trying to figure mm-hmm. out if like a team's going to blow up or not. And then. And they never it, do it until like the d- days before. Like yeah. Days before. So it's like, why are we talking about this on January 1st? 
when the trade deadlines on like February, whatever it is on. I it, it might even give the IST like higher stakes mm, true. to have it closer oh. to the trade deadline. Oh, Adam Silver. Like these are the two people that you need to be like hiring right we now. We need to be hired. Catherine and me are the ideas people. We are the ideas people. We are the writers. We are the consultants. It's true. Um, okay. <laughs> Speaking of Adam Silver, uh, he did a very bizarre uh, interview the other day uh, where, okay, I have so much. To say. He, <laughs> he compared himself to Henry Kissinger, uh, referred to Harry Kissinger as, quote, one of the great global diplomats. <laughs> uh said he's a big believer in a strong military um went on a tent and then he and then he tried to humble himself and being like well i'm not a diplomat i'm just a sports executive but sports very big deal globally and politically and otherwise in very vague non-specific ways uh he then went on a tangent about children with diabetes <laughs> I'm not making this up. He went on a tangent about children who are obese and children with diabetes and how they need sports and they need to run around and we need to encourage kids to run more. No, this is I'm, no. I'm like I'm like no. This is a wild interview. It's a wild clip. We rarely see Adam Silver unhinged. This is the thing. We rarely see him unhinged. He looks poised. He looks like himself. But the words coming out of his mouth are just different for this man. Also, I have a lot to say about this interviewer, uh, Pat McAfee. McAfee, a former, NFL, a former NFL player. Mm, yes. Yeah. Um, okay. Chelsea, we got to we got to vent about this for a minute before we get into Adam Silver. This man looks like he's in. Like he looks like he just came from the gym and didn't have time to shower before oh. this interview. He's wearing like a tank top, like a like a like a you know those like tank tops that guys wear that have like the very big armpit cutouts. Yeah, so you can see their pecs. Yeah, so you can see their pecs, and it says like NBA in season. It looks like a very cheap tank top. Like like I have okay. This the reason why this bothers me, and I'm part of me is like you know what individualism expression blah 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 yes sure i have pajamas that look more professional than what this yeah. guy is wearing like i can't as a woman i can't dress like that and interview adam silver that's a huge thing so I it just bugs me it just bugs me no it, yeah no i feel that a lot like you know i you know i go to the raptors games like as media or whatever and i feel this like not this need but i feel a little bit more pressure to like step it up in terms of outfits and I just like playing with my fashion and stuff so like that's one thing but like sometimes I look around and I'm like you know if I came in like just my casuals mm -hmm. like what would that say compared to like others that are coming like it's don't get me wrong there's no dress code but like sometimes I feel such a pressure to like present myself as a woman like being like okay I'm professional like I'm meant to be here and like and then you see Alex Wong in track pants <laughs> I don't know <laughs> no those guys are always looking fresh but yeah, yeah it's just like I don't know I'm like sometimes I'm like technically I do have the ability to come here in like jeans and a t-shirt and just vibe but like I don't know, like, part of me is like, I'm supposed to be acting, and maybe that's my own imposter syndrome, but it's like, yeah, you can't just, like, show up in a tank top to interview the commissioner of the NBA, like, yeah. that's, not, that's not vibes. Yeah, I agree. Look, if we were former NFL players, then I guess we could wear whatever yeah. we want, but no, I don't think that's not imposter syndrome, Chelsea. I think that's, like, just wise on your part. I think that's just, that just makes sense. That yeah. you would want to dress professionally for your job. And yeah. uh, even though you're not necessarily obligated to, I just feel like yeah. that's smart. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I just had to vent about the way this man looks because it irks me. Uh, but let's get to yeah, Adam Silver Adam comparing Silver. himself to a literal war criminal and <laughs> referring to him as one of the great global diplomats. That is very wild to me. That's wild. Okay, so the news of henry kissinger dying came out like during a raptors game and right. so we're all sitting there and 
Um, our good friend Lewis Satzman, who mm -hmm. sits beside me at the games, love that guy, um, was like, oh, like Henry Kissinger died. That's fun. And I was like, I didn't really know who he was, like, if we're going to be honest. So I did a little Googling. <laughs> um, so, and I was like, oh, cool. Like, glad this man is now dead. Um, so, uh, yeah, that was the vibe. And like, yeah, we were just like making like little, little fun kicks at it all night. But there's this weird thing when it comes to like, capitalism and the venn diagram of like capitalists and like war criminals and i know i'm just saying like very basic <laughs> world economics but <laughs> circle it's a circle um <laughs> which is so frustrating for like the the, uh, the the normal peoples of the world who just want to like be able to afford rent and like food and uh -huh. stuff, to like have the people that you like not work for because I don't work for Adam Silver, but like, I don't know, the like people who run things like sports that are supposed to be like fun and like take our minds off of things. And, like, and I know that like everything is inherently political, but like, it's like, really, man, you could have just not said that. Like you could have just shut your mouth. Yeah. Well, I think he just let a little bit of his narcissism out, you know, oh. that he, that he feels some sort of kinship with such a person, um, which is the impression I get from watching this clip. I mean, yeah, you know, and then, uh, but also too, like the question, the question was about sports role in, in politics, which is actually a very interesting conversation. And it was asked in such a, in like such a, uh, just, as it was asked in a way that was as casual as his outfit um is, like a side note of like people go to journalism and media school for years and then we let this nbi tank top wearing man do a giant <laughs> interview like this like <laughs> it's just such a missed opportunity because yeah. it's such a great idea to ask adam silver this question yeah, but if it was especially like, when he's in the mood to compare himself to Henry Kissinger, like this is like the moment to like lean in and like double down on it and like to keep going. And you know who would have done that? Malika Andrews. So <laughs> that's who should have been doing it. <laughs> Shout out to Malika Andrews. Yeah. Uh, she gets a lot of hate online. Um, oh, it's so frustrating. Anyway, it's kind of beyond. Off. Yeah, yeah. But well, anyway, talked about that for like eight years. But anyway, back to this. <laughs> Do we okay? The the conversation I want to have aside from from Adam Silver going off the rails is like, you know, sports and, and politics. Like, do you feel like the NBA should be more involved? Yes and no. I do think that the NBA has a lot of potential to do really good things for communities. And I'm going to bring this back a little bit to the Raptors, but I just spent like the past two weeks working on a Giants of Africa project, mm -hmm. um, and saw like how fantastic basketball can be used to like impact people worldwide because at the end of the day all you need is like a basketball and a hoop and all that stuff um and i think it has the ability to like bring people together in community and teach a lot of life skills that are trans uh what's the word i'm looking for that like can kind of traverse the world and like <laughs> no matter what like area you're in like basketball skills can be translated whether you live in canada america europe africa wherever right so i do think that the nba has a lot of potential to do a lot of community good and like to impact young people because again we live in like an influencer culture and like they should be using their platform for that at the same time it gets really frustrating when um you know, things like politics. And it's, again, it's the same thing I just said where people go to media school and then, you know, it's football players who get to conduct the interviews. It's like people study their whole lives about world affairs and politics and no legislation and laws. And then you have like a businessman coming in and like making comments about world politics. Like it's, I don't know. I think that the NBA should be involved in some aspects of like world politics. But I do think that like also there's an aspect of like staying in your lane and like, like, you know, leaving it to people who actually know what's going to impact the world best. Um, and don't get me wrong, the current like pol 
politics people. Why am I forgetting what pol politicians? There we go. That's the word. Um, current politicians aren't really like doing a great job at the world, but like the younger generation that is coming up, I have a lot of faith in. So it's just like, I don't know. It's like a weird balance of the NBA having the potential to do a lot of good and influence a lot of people, but they need to like work with the right people and have the right, um, like people working on it because Adam Silver is not the guy to be, you know, commenting or like trying to like steer the NBA's direction of, of policy, I think. Well, I think too, like my sort of like thing that I've noticed with the NBA over the last few years is that they're in my, this is just my opinion that their political points of view are just solely based on how they feel it will help or hurt their profits. Yeah. Right. So for example, you know, in 2020 during the NBA bubble, there was a lot of political messaging mm -hmm. and then they realized that it didn't necessarily help their ratings. Yeah. And then when the season came back uh, in 2021, all that messaging was gone, mm -hmm. but those issues still persist. Mm -hmm. So there's no reason why the NBA couldn't continue to have like a black lives matter on the basketball courts like they did before. Yeah. But they just realize like, oh, this isn't helping our business. Mm -hmm. So we're going to take it off. This yeah. is just my opinion as to why that messaging was removed. Yeah. Um, somebody I mean, like it's, it's oh, rough because like, you see it work in the WNBA. Like, you it see does it work in the WNBA. And I mean, it's different because the audience of the WNBA is obviously a bit more tolerant. They're, the they're a different audience. Yeah, it's they a different are. Audience, but it's just but also too, like, yeah. let's like, you know, even like John Morant, for example, mm -hmm. being suspended 25 games because mm -hmm. there was a video of him having guns. Mm -hmm. The the league decided that this hurts their image. Mm -hmm. The fact that that hurts their image more than um, like Miles Bridges, for example, is uh, disheartening in my yep. opinion. And I, I mean, I don't want to go too far down a road with this, yeah. but I'm just saying like their political messaging solely revolves around profits anyway. Oh, a hundred percent. And so it's like, it's kind of weird for like Adam Silver to like sit on his high horse mm -hmm. and, you know, say like, yeah, like basketball has like this huge role to play mm -hmm. when he is actively chosen mm -hmm. for the NBA to not play that role. Yeah. In my, in my opinion. No, yeah. And it's totally valid because at the end of the day, they're a business. And we see that in everything that the NBA does. Like, it's all about the profit. Like, we were just talking about the in-season tournament. and I could write a massive editorial about Oh, that. same. And it's just like, that, <laughs> but again, we won't get too much into the whole, like, Miles stuff and the John Morant stuff or whatever. Because, again, like, I'm just going to get really angry and then everyone's going to be like, nah. But um, yeah. it's just, like, it's so frustrating, especially in an era where like women are coming up and becoming so much more prominent in sports, not just women's sports, but like the NBA, like I, as someone who like works on an NBA team's beat, like there's so many women in our space. And the fact that like this league continuously just like reminds us that we like that their messaging like isn't for us. is just like, really? Like you mm -hmm. could be doing so much better. It's mm -hmm. a little, it's so easy to just kick this one man out of the league when you have 1700 other young kids who could just replace him. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. I don't know, it's just frustrating. And so that's why I'm very hesitant about the NBA having such a role in politics. I do think that they have the potential to do a lot of good, but also they have proven time and time again that they, their interests aren't exactly um, aligning with what needs to be done in terms of world politics if that makes sense yeah it does uh anyways really fun uh uh tangent by adam silver uh highly recommend you check out that interview it's oh, really bizarre and you diabetes know, stuff like why like kid, like if like chances are if you're a kid with diabetes you were born with diabetes yeah it's type of one. Like, there's <laughs> There's nothing again, like something else that I've written about. Like if you if you like, obtain diabetes as a child because your parents were neglectful, that's not due to lack of exercise. That is like a much bigger issue. Issue, yeah. Oh man. So what we've it's learned is that cool. Adam Silver knows very little about diabetes. Yeah, we should have. But shout out to Shout out to you if you have diabetes. Like, yeah, shout out. I have a few friends <laughs> that do, and they're just 
like phenomenal people who yes. like deserve all of the respect that and 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 are in shape like yeah and are just like <laughs> like living their lives and don't need to run more according according to Adam Silver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, running more is not their issue. Oh, I uh, I have a friend Daniel Rosenberg. Shout out uh, bored with diabetes. He told me the other day he was like my first kiss was at diabetes camp and I couldn't stop laughing because I was like I had no idea diabetes yeah. camp. Yeah. I had I no idea there was a diabetes camp. Oh, yeah. I have a friend. That's great, um, though. I love that that exists. Yeah. I have a friend, Taylor. Her name's Taylor. She's a comedian who has uh, type 1 diabetes and has, like, built this, like, wonderful platform, like, you know, just as, like, trying to build community and stuff like that. And, like, I wrote this, like, piece for her for CBC once. And, like, her whole thing is, like, trying to, like, do comedy and stuff around diabetes and like stuff like that to like poke fun at it and stuff and they have oh, like all these awesome. events and stuff for people and th like the community is you know seems to be very like light-hearted and fun and stuff like that so it's just like love that for that like you know that they have built this nice community with each other but it's just then it's also frustrating because you realize how uninformed people are about certain aspects of diabetes and like other things like Adam Silver, like did this man not get a brief before he's decided to go or was this just random at the top of his head? Like it was um, definitely off the top of his head. I'm sure his no PR question. people were sitting there like, stop it, stop it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure they were like, oh, let's hope. He's like in his in-ear. Let's hope like the diabetes, whatever American association doesn't get a hold of this. Yeah. Uh, Next November for awareness month, they're just going to like be like, this man is wrong. Oh, oh god all right let's move on i had a well actually you know we're kind of um we i had a topic here but we can cut it just to move on to raptor stuff here if you're good with that yeah uh cool okay let's move on to our raptors homer moment um you know this is a, a kind of a running theme this year uh i've had multiple people come on this show uh lewis uh, Zasman used this analogy and Oren Weisfeld used this analogy and that is kicking the can down the road. Uh, I don't know why this is an analogy that keeps getting brought up, but the Raptors are kicking this proverbial can down a road and a lot of people are wondering, have we reached the end of the road? I just want to start singing boys to men right now, but I'm not going to do that. Please. Um, well, actually, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want the video to get taken off of YouTube. Yeah. So sorry. You sound so much like voice. Like <laughs> okay. Um. Is the question? Do I think it's the end of the yes. road? Yes. Uh, it's rough. Um. I do think, and I hate to like bank stuff on the trade deadline because personally, I hate the trade deadline. Not that I hate the concept of it, but like the time when that time of the year is very frustrating but um i do think that just like we saw last year the raptors are going to be a really big factor in the nba trade deadline and unlike last year they need to do something and i mean they did need to do something last year but my opinion is that um as much as i as like a homery fan don't want to like move certain players of the team i think from like a success um perspective Things need to change. Um, and I was thinking about this this morning, like about last night's game. Like there's so many good pieces on our team and I understand what the vision was and I understand, um, you know, what the idea was, I think, because you have these players who are so good individually. Like you think about Siakam last night dropping 30 points. You think about OG Ananobi, defensive player of the year. You think about Scotty Barnes, who's coming up as this like, incredible player that I'm just like he's having a great year but something like isn't working and I do think that somewhat has to do with the fact that there's no like and Dennis Schroeder is very new and stuff so obviously I don't want to like pin everything on him but I do think there needs to be a little bit more of like a cohesive vision when it comes to the facilitation of offense on this team um and so I don't know I do think that we need to like figure out and I mean, people keep asking Masai, like, what's the vision? What's the vision? And he doesn't really say, but like, mm -hmm. I do think that um, like moves need to happen because something about this team isn't clicking. And I do think that this is a good time to maybe trade someone, see if you can put something together by the end of the year and then go into free agency with a clear plan. 
Um, because, and I mean, my opinion of this, I think, isn't going to change from now to the trade deadline. I say keep Ananobi, keep Barnes, and everybody else is kind of up for trade if that's, you know, the direction you go into. I think OG Ananobi and Scotty Barnes are two very unique players that we need to build around. Um, and I think that they need to figure out what building around them is going to look like because right now things aren't working. And, um, you know, we see glimpses of what this team could be. But again, it's something about it's not anything to do with skill. I think it has to do with cohesion and fit and vision. And there's just something lacking in that right now. Mm hmm. Um, I completely agree. Like, I feel like, you know, last year, I mean, I'm on the record saying that I'm not pro tanking. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah. you know, I and I and and I say that to say I only have this opinion in hindsight. So mm-hmm. I really feel like, you know, when we look at what they did last year, which was very little, and then losing you know, Fred for nothing, which I don't, I'm not saying we should assign Fred, but it was just disappointing. Yeah. We should to lose someone like Fred for nothing. We should have traded Fred. Um, and, and, and I just feel like, and then also just like last year's draft. I mean, if there was ever a draft to tank for last year's draft was the draft Mm -hmm. to do that. I mean, San Antonio got it right. Like they had their eyes on Wemby from a long time. They traded DeJounte Murray. They mm-hmm. trade Jakob Pertle. They make sure that they're in that range mm-hmm. to get a top pick. And they committed to rebuilding. And they have a superstar. I mean, I know Wemby's been inconsistent, but he is a superstar um, to, to build around. And I feel like if there was ever a year to tank, that was the year. Yeah. Um, and, and, and obviously the Tampa season was a year to tank and we did. And that worked yeah. out. That worked so, out. I do think a lot of these teams who have been successful in rebuilding, it's not just one year. And again, I'm not pro, I don't like the idea of tanking either, but you think about last year where the Raptors were, what the draft was like. You even think about those top 10 picks. You think about like the Thompson brothers, you think about, you know, a couple other pieces in that draft who are making such big impacts on their team now. And it's like, if the Raptors were just a few spaces up in the draft, it could have made such an impact. And now you think about the fact where we have this like Jakob Pertl trade situation where our pick is kind of in jeopardy Mm -hmm. now. And it's like, okay. And you think about Fred went on the record a couple of days ago saying that, you know, there was no competition really about whether or not he was going to sign with the Raptors again. So if you knew like, not that they knew that, but like, you should have anticipated that a little bit better and did yes, something better last year. I'm definitely of the belief that like last year's trade deadline was such a missed opportunity to really change the direction of this team because I think we all saw the writing on the wall that Fred was probably going to not stay um, as much as you have hope and whatever. But I think that this year, if they want to kind of like change the narrative of what people are starting to say about this like team and all that stuff, I think that this trade deadline is going to be so important. And what worries me is the fact that I know that this front office is like not very trade deadline positive. Yeah. Um, I said he doesn't like making big decisions at the trade deadline. Yeah. But it's like, when you think about it, his decisions that he's making at this trade line should be the decisions that have been in the works since not only Fred signing with Houston, but even last trade deadline where you should have been doing stuff. Yeah. Like, like I, he's had the time. So I would be so shocked if the Raptors weren't big players in this trade deadline. Um, and that's why, like, I don't know. It's like, I, I agree with the guy saying kicking the can down the road as far as February, because it's so hard to figure out what the vision for this team is one, because a lot of people have asked and there's no clear answer, but it's also like, you know, like what there's only so far that this team could go with that, you know, and we're seeing that in real time. So you, you really just need to, to, and I'm, I'm of, of the belief of building around Ananobi and Barnes. Like it's just as much as I'm so like, it's sad as a fan to think about the other, you know, pieces going, but it's just, you have to think about the future and based on what I've seen this year, there's a vision that I would go, and I mean, I'm not a basketball executive, but there's a vision that I would do, and we'll see if that ends up being the one they go with. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's just the lack of vision is what's been the most frustrating either yeah. way, right? Like if we want to be a contender, then we have to act like a contender and be more aggressive about the players that we can get. Um, and then if we don't want to be a contender, we realize we do need to rebuild. Then we also have to be aggressive about that. Like, mm -hmm. I just feel like the lack of aggression on either side has been the most frustrating as a Raptors fan. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. And you think about, we have this like incredible young player to build around and someone who they already want to build around. We've seen all the reports that Scotty Barnes is not on the trade table. I think you, obviously that's your vision. Keep him. You throw the bag at OG Ananobi, and I'm going to keep saying that forever because that guy is just like, his skill set is very unique. And obviously we're seeing how he defends people like Kevin Durant and Giannis mm -hmm. and all this stuff. You keep that, throw the bag at him. And then you just like, you know, you build around that. I think that's a very good base to build around, but yeah, it's very wishy-washy either way. And, um, and I think, like, as a player, too, like, you're kind of sitting there, like, okay, are they committing to me? Or are they not? Like, that makes you wishy-washy as well. So, it's hard. Right. I agree. Um, on a more optimistic side uh, of the Raptors, um, you know, there there is talk about our depth being maybe more real than it's given credit for mm -hmm. um which i think is very intriguing to me who off our bench do you feel like deserves a bigger opportunity um the first thing that's coming up the top of my head because we were talking about this in media yesterday was grady dick mm -hmm. um not that he's not getting opportunity but so people are asking darko last night about grady dick and his assignment to the 905 and um, Darko said something that like really kind of struck me. He said, you know, um, the idea is that this play, this guy's going to come in, he's going to play like 15 years in the NBA. So let's not skip any steps. And I was like, that's actually very like smart. When you mm -hmm. think about these young guys, he's like nine, Grady Dick's 19 years old. He played one year of college, has a lot of potential, obviously. And you think about in any other career, any other thing, like nobody's looking at a 19 year old at their peak of their career, right? You have to build. And so I think that they're doing really well by Grady Dick and they have with other people. We've seen the process work out of like them going to the 905, them building their confidence. And I do think that they're doing the right thing by Grady Dick to send him down there. His last game yesterday, he played really well, despite the fact that the 905 lost. And that's just because they're like struggling with a lot of injury and illness right now. But I do think that once Grady Dick gets a little bit more confidence. He gets more reps. He's not just like thrown into this, again, this team with not very much vision. Mm -hmm. um, he builds the confidence. He grows up a little, not to say that he's not like, you know, an adult, but like, no, he's, he's a 19. baby. He's 19. He's a baby. He's 19. I do think that he has the potential to be really good. And I do think the Raptors are doing really good by him to not be one, immediately writing him off and two, taking those steps to try and build his confidence and make sure that he's maybe not successful, like a big bench player right now, but continues to become something. And maybe, you know, again, if this team ends up going very young in the next couple of years, maybe he ends up being a really big impact um, down the line. So I do think that he's someone that I would love to keep an eye on over the course of this year. And I do think his rookie season is a little bit, can be a little bit more about building confidence and, you know, different from the Scotty Barnes route where like you knew coming in that he was immediately going to make an impact. I think that with Grady Dick, it's a little bit more about building. And you saw where someone like Siakam or Fred Van Vliet or Norman Powell was when we first got them. Right. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. the, the build of that. So I do think we're in a, an era of the NBA where everybody wants and even Darko said that said this last night too. everybody wants to win right now. You know, everybody wants everything to happen right now. But I think we need to step back and remember that, like, development is a thing. And Grady Dick's in a great situation. He has a whole staff of coaches who are, like, that's their thing, is developing young players. So that's why, I, I don't know, I think he is on a good road right now. Yeah, I think this is a great point. I mean, I feel like... You know, the Raptors used to really hang its hat on being, you know, great with development of players. And I think a huge reason for moving on from Nick Nurse was mm -hmm. so we could go back to that. 
right? Because mm-hmm. he was just not a development guy and he wasn't willing to give younger players a chance. And so, yeah, I think that's huge for this team. I think it speaks volumes in terms of like, you know, what we said vision in terms of like rebuilding mm-hmm. and growth. Um, I think it's kind of, and I mean, maybe I'm reading into the tea leaves a little bit too much, but to me, that is his way of saying like, this is the direction we're going in. Like Mm -hmm. we need, you know, winning right now isn't necessarily the priority. We need to take a step back and build our talent Mm -hmm. and, and give them time. And I, I agree. He absolutely does need that time. And we need to go back to that as a Raptors organization and, Mm -hmm you know, go back to that being like what we're known for, what we're proud of. I I do think that um, when it comes to player development, it does ultimately come down to the player. Mm -hmm. Like I think the player has more to do with it than any organization Mm -hmm. ever could, but being an organization that is known for a positive culture and known for building people up is always a good thing. Yeah, exactly. And I do think if the Raptors are going to go young, which seems to be the idea based on the evidence that we're looking at right now, I think, yeah, they just need to really like dial in on that and like really be proud of that identity. Because again, it was something that they were really known for a couple of years ago. And, you know, maybe it's just because like I've have I've chatted with a little bit of like the coaching staff and I'm there and I see, you know, what they're talking about and stuff like that. But it's like you have like such a great team here to motivate young guys I think that the way that the Raptors built this coaching staff isn't really not like it's not that they can't be contenders but I do think they set a standard of development and encouraging young guys and building this culture from the from the beginning of someone's career and all this stuff and maybe that's not something that older guys buy into because they want to win right now and that's okay Mm -hmm. Only one team can win every year, so 29 others have to lose. Like, you have to think about it that way, and eventually you can build to something to win. But I do think, yeah, we if we're going young, I think we're setting ourselves up really well to go young, and it's about committing now. I, I agree. I see a lot of um, chatter online of people just being like, hey, Otto Porter Jr. is right there. <laughs> I don't know why I'm seeing a lot of that more, but I am. Do you think that he's somebody who should be getting more minutes? Yes and no. I think um, every time Darko gets asked about this, he says like, yeah, like he's, we're giving him minutes when we do. There's also a lot about like load management and stuff like that. Um, But yeah, I do think there's opportunity for him to get in there a little bit more in terms of minutes. I I do think when he doesn't play it's because of like stuff like load management, but um, Yeah, the Raptors could definitely use him a little bit more. He's also a great presence on the bench, but I don't know. It's like, do you? But do you load manage someone who's on their last leg? Eh, yeah, that's another thing. Like, yes and no. You want to like be respectful of the person's like physical health and stuff like that. I'm just like thinking as I said that. Yeah, no. No, it's like it's yes and no. It's not nice to say. It's not nice to say. But. You, you have a point, though. It's like, who knows? His contract's up after this year. Like, who knows what's going to happen with that? But, like, yeah, I don't know. It's like... Yeah, I'd be surprised if another team picked him up, to be honest. Yeah, so it's like, does he stay? Or is this, like, kind of the end for him or whatever? Like, this is likely his last year in the NBA. Yeah, so it's like, do you use... So it's like, just go out swinging. Go out swinging. No, seriously, yeah. though. No, it's true. It's last then year we- in the league, go out swinging. But what do are we, what out, are we load managing him for? But do you go out swinging on a team that is likely, like, what's the result going to be? Well, I think for him personally, having some yeah. numbers up and some minutes and some reps would be good to yeah. be able to say, like, hey, I finished my last year doing this, this, and this. If he sure. wants to, you know, may, maybe it would lead to another team picking him up for another year you know, mm-hmm. like at a veteran minimum or something yeah, just yeah, because yeah. they're like, yeah, he has a ring. Like let's, you know, <laughs> he's a solid presence on the bench, you know, it could buy him another year. Yeah. And I mean, or I if he wants to go play somewhere else, like in Europe or in China or in Australia or something, yeah. then I- it, it would also be evidence of that. I, I just, it's like, what are we, what are we load managing him for? Unless it's like, he is still very injured. But yeah, to me, that's not load management. That's just injury. Yeah, I don't because uh, yeah. we're not prevent because load management is like preventative, 
right? Yeah. Load management is like, yeah, preventative well, and like, what, what are we, what are we saving him for? <laughs> what are we saving? Him? We're not even, in right. the IST, we're not even in the IST. Yeah, it's true. You're right. You, you have a point. Yeah. I, I think mean, at, least, at least build them up as a trade asset. Yeah, that I mean, maybe that's like the give vibe. Two like, months of more minutes, so we can be like, "Hey, look at look at Otto Porter Jr. these last two months." Yeah, what do I know? <laughs> what do I know? It's like again, like you know, it's hard to know why these decisions are being made, and I mean, it's been asked a few times, and it's just kind of been like, "Yeah, like load management, this that." So, yeah, it's. That's so funny. Mystery. It is a mystery. And I do think he could be playing more because he's he's great when it comes to like being on being a good presence on the floor, slowing things down, calming. Um, especially again on a young, I think a good like a factor that you need to think about on a young team as well is having those like older guys who are gonna kind of like calm the waters a little bit. And mm-hmm. I don't think older means like, say, like Siakam age where they're still in their prime. I think it's like older in the sense that like we're we're having a mentorship role right now. Yeah. But so. to me, that's like what Thaddeus Young is doing. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. Bring right. back Kyle Lowry for a year. That's <laughs> for a whole year. He's like, I'll sign a one day. I'll sign a 10 day. And we're like, come back. What about a year? year. <laughs> one more um, year. <laughs> for 40 to 41 uh i agree yeah. uh okay let's move on to our hottie highlight of the week and uh this is kind of an interesting one i find this slightly puzzling but also adorable and that is darko uh basically trying to get the team to have their first winning streak we have not won more than two games in a row this season. And he said if the Raptors win three games in a row, he will treat them to dinner. Dinner. These these guys can afford dinner. It's cute, though. It's cute, though. You always want to be treated to something nice, I suppose. Okay, but like, uh, there's, more, there's more to the story. And that is uh, Pascal Siakam said, uh, he basically said, like, whatever the team will pay for that. (laughs) He said, whatever the team will pay for that. And then, uh, and then Darko was like, wait, I'm trying to find the exact quote here. Yeah, Um, I was like, no, it's me. I'm going to pay for it. Yeah. Yeah, Darko was like, when I announced it, Pascal said, yeah, the team is going to pay for that. He thinks I'm cheap, and that's not true. Well, okay, first of all, that would be like a $20,000 bill to start. Because you think about, A, where these guys are going, two, how many of them there are, and three, that they're not afraid to spend a little money on dinner. That's going to be like a $20,000 dinner. Second, can I come? Because like I know right? anybody can be hype about free dinner. It's good. It's me. Yeah, yeah. Take us out, right? I'm like, anytime I get offered free food, I'm like, writer broke writer over here. Um, <laughs> so I think that if the Raptors win three, I think Dar- Darko should take the media out for the dinner. Because <laughs> really, who's gonna appreciate him? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he needs to suck up to us, let's be honest. No, I'm kidding. Um, but that's yeah, definitely, yeah, this is like pandering to the media, but um, but I just yeah, I think it's cute, I think it's endearing, I think it's sweet, I think he's trying to build team morale. I would run through a for, through a wall for that man. So I don't know. My opinion is very like I think he's adorable. Um, but I do understand why someone like Pascal would be like, meh. Listen, this is why Darko was hired. It's true. This is why Darko was hired. He is the good vibes guy. He yeah. is the anti-Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse never bought anyone dinner. Um, <laughs> no matter how long our win streaks was. Didn't we have like a 14-game win streak? There was yeah. no dinner. No dinner. Of any kind. Um, yeah. So, you know, this is why he was hired. He wasn't yeah. necessarily hired to win games. He was hired to get these guys to win at least three in a row and then go so to he, can, so he can buy them dinner and then gosh do you think to me there's tension in this article with pascal and tarko it could just be me um 
see it a little bit. I also just see how it could be like an offhanded comment that some that people are running with. That is also extremely true. But yeah. it is a little cynical to be like, whatever, the team will just pay for that. Yeah. Because he's been here. And yeah. he, know, he knows. He yeah, knows it's, Darko's it's, not. He knows Darko isn't paying for that dinner. Yeah. I don't know. It's and like, then yeah. Darko's like, no, no, I will pay for the dinner. And it's like, well, you will now. Sorry, yeah. Darko. <laughs> uh, yeah. I definitely see how it could be like misconstrued or like the tone could have been different or all of this stuff. Like, sure. And I wasn't there, so I don't know what the tone was. But um, yeah, it's just, and I also see where the like, like I said, I see where like the, not the frustration, but the like the comment could have come from in terms of Pascal. Um, but I just think, again, I think it's, and you're right. Darko wasn't hired to come in and immediately win games. He was hired to come in and like implement this new system and give this team a culture shift and um, develop young players and all this stuff. So it's like a good morale boost. And you think about how this team is really like trying to build a sense of culture. And I think it's like a good thing. Um, And again, he's very sweet and nice and which is I, great I, I know he's just like so <laughs> um one thing pascal said was you know he said we got to win games in a row i think that's just what it is uh good teams have those streaks of just good games where they win games in a row and i think that's what's missing for us mm-hmm. uh which to me is also slightly telling because he said good teams have those streaks I mean, when you look at the Toronto Raptors right now, mm-hmm. you call them a good team. Exactly. And I'm not. This is where this is where there's tension. This it's is like, where there's tension. And I'm not trying to be like a Debbie. Like I always, always try and like positive spin on this stuff because I'm like, why are we talking about sports just to be like all the time? But you have to think about where we are right now, and you have to think about like the word good, and you have to think about the the place where this team is and he has a point like i'm not trying to be like negative but it's mm-hmm. i mean and i say that i'm not trying to be negative but there's like people who are like, this team sucks and i'm like okay listen if we win three in a row this this season yeah and this dinner happens yeah you you gotta get there oh you gotta get there because someone needs to report on the details of the dinner, of the I'll dinner. Just sit, we want to know. Glasses on. I'll sit like two tables around. I'll only get breadsticks because I know where they go. I'm not going to be yes. able to afford to eat. Like if they don't let you in, you need to get a job working at the restaurant. Like you just need to like. I need to get, get hired for a day as yeah. a dishwasher. Don't wash a single dish. Yeah. And just <laughs> for the hostess, or I'll like yes, and I'll like put on an apron and pretend to be a sommelier or something like that. Yes. Do they wear aprons? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I've never worked in a fancy just, restaurant. Just I've Google like tannins and then just tannins. Yeah um today yeah so and i'll just go off and then they'll be like are you aren't you that girl from from the media room and i'll be like that's my twin don't you know that's i have a twin, twin. you have different glasses and then yeah you, like, we have different glasses, glasses, glasses again yeah i just wear different glasses um or i find out who the waiter is of the restaurant yeah we need <laughs> and i just need... i'm like oh like help me out and then i'm just like in the back taking notes and she's come and i put like a little bug yeah yeah I've been um I've been binging a lot of Iron Chef lately. <laughs> Incredible. Incredible. I've been binging RuPaul's Drag Race. Yes, so, yeah. I've, I've watched every I've watched every season of Drag Race. Yeah. Oh, I love me some drag race. I'm like re-watching it just for the vibes. But yeah. I feel like the theatrics of my plan and the like actual like kitchen-y stuff of your plan are coming together there we go the re- the reason why i bring up uh iron chef is because like by the way the old japanese iron chef from like the 90s full episodes are on youtube Incredible. it's it's really cool and like the weird like the thing that always gets me is that the commentators do all this work talking about the cooking like it's a sport yeah and then they don't get to eat it Oh, that sucks. There's always this separate judging panel and this like chairman who does literally nothing. Um, And and then they're the ones who get to eat. So it's like the, it it just reminds me of the media. 
That's such a and it, and it reminds me of what it would be like for you to cover this dinner. Yeah. And, and we we'll get to eat it. Th that's okay. Yeah. If this, we're talking about this as like a media thing, they would all be eating dinner. On and like, you'd be watching them. And we'd be like 10 feet away with like, just like writing notes, starving, just like. Starving with a bread basket. With a bread. If that. If that. <laughs> if that. But yeah, oh man, that's like, that was like, I was talking to someone last night, we did the game, you talk to all these like, you know, big basketball players, coaches, all this stuff. And then I leave the game, I finish writing, I leave the game, and the TTC is shut down. Oh, no God. service on the TTC. It's like 1130 at night. I live, I need the TTC to get home. I live in the East End. Um, so I have to take an Uber share. So it's like one second, I'm talking to an NBA champion, all-star you know, very glamorous to the public. Kyle Lowry, he recognized you. All that stuff. Literally, like, cut, like, cut to. And I'm in the back of this, like, Uber share. <laughs> and the guy is, like, the driver's, like, yelling at this person on the phone, trying to, like, figure out where they are so that they can get in the Uber share. Um, and I'm just, like, sitting in the silent Uber share because I, like, the, the subway was shut down and all this stuff, and I'm trying to get home. It's, like, midnight. And yeah, that's like the very, that's like a very good analogy of like <laughs> what sports media is like. Yeah. Well, you really brought that full circle for us. So I yeah, appreciate I you. I'd yeah. love to tell a story. There we go. We see we are, we are the writers. We are the we writers. Are the Chelsea, thank you so much for joining me again this week. It's always so fun having you. Uh, where uh, Let us know what you're up to and where people can find you on the internet. Yeah, so you can find me at Chelsea Lay on Twitter or Instagram, um, Raptors HQ on Twitter, Instagram, or, you know, .com, um, as, you know, we are. So, yeah, we're doing a lot of fun stuff over there, trying to just, you know, cover this team and do all that stuff. And I do a lot of writing for other sites as well, so I always post that on, like, my personal stuff. So, yeah, you can find me there. And, uh, you know, if you're ever in Toronto and want to come to some comedy shows, let's let's do it up. Boom. There we go. Uh, thank you again, everyone, for listening and tuning in. And we will catch you again next week. Bye.